Hey everybody! Hey everybody! Welcome to the Lex G podcast. I don't know why. I, I think I just Ben Mankowitz that intro. I just did a, little, I did a little did a little mank on that one. I did a little. Hey everybody! Welcome to TCM. This is Ben Mankowitz. Hey everybody! Welcome to TCM. I'm Ben Mankowitz. Tonight we got Eddie Eddie Mueller with Noir Alley. Is that what it is? Noir Alley, that that weird dude. We got a we have a Cuddle Sakal marathon coming up. I, one thing I love about Ben Mankowitz, I, I like TCM intros in general, because they paint this picture of movie going in the grand old days, and they always make it sound like he's, he's like audiences couldn't get enough of of. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a lame enough actor. <laughs> Is it George Brent or George Brett? Who was in the Who was the guy who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated with the four oh five batting average when I was eight years old? Is that Brent or Brett? Anyway. I'll pick a better actor. Audiences couldn't get enough of Dan Duria. And I'm like, what? Audiences today couldn't give a shit about any movie star. I mean, it just cracks me up. He's always like, audiences couldn't get enough of John Gilbert. And I'm just picturing like people lined up around the block to see, you know, the new Jeffrey Chandler movie or whoever he's on about. And it's like, audiences couldn't get an audience. They, they always paint the picture of these packed movie palaces every seat sold out and people showing up in their finery smoking cigarettes and riveted to the to the people in show business and the come you know all this bullshit and today it's like you know you can be around 15 years and nobody cares you know it's like that uh all that uh, what's his name uh uh the, the, the rich what's his name army hammer all that stuff they're gonna cut him out of death in the nile i saw somebody say Dude, they probably don't even have to cut him out, you know? Like, this stuff, whatever he's done, like, you could probably put Kevin Spacey in a movie right now. Well, maybe Kevin Spacey's a little more recognizable because he's has the longer career and people with longer memories. But, like, Army Hammer's been around for 13 years, has made no impression. He might he could might as well be, like, Charles Manson, uh, rec, criminal record, and no one would know, be the wiser because he's just another bland, boring lunkhead. Uh, we don't care about our movie stars. We haven't since since like maybe the Matt and Ben days or Will Smith or something, or maybe a little bit of like Gosling and Leo. But th- that's still going back. Those guys have been around twenty twenty five years now. Um, where was I going with any of that? Oh, speaking of someone from twenty twenty five years ago. I'm doing a bit of a TV review today. I'm going to review Wall Street. That's not Wall Street like Wall Street. It's W-A-H-L Street because it's about Mark Wahlberg. And I'm doing this podcast about this. I am. This is considered this not an endorsement. Uh, I would definitely not recommend this show unless, like me, you are fascinated, riveted by Mark Wahlberg, who is... Um, I don't know the kind of actor I like, or he's a meatball and he's instant comedy to me because he takes himself so seriously. But I think people, when I do these things and like maybe the Frank Stallone or the John Landis thing and some of the things I do, people think I'm goofing on it because I hate them or I'm really trying to take them down a peg. When I do this stuff, there's a certain reverence to me from me because when someone is an absurd character, I envy that. I wish I had the balls to be this dude or be some outlandish, um, arrogant, egotistical asshole. I'm just such naturally such a, um, I don't know, practical dork. 
um, that the, when there's a complete bozo, I'm like enraptured. So whether it's like, I, I did a list the other day of people who you think I'm goofing on, but I love them. Like whether it's like Dice or Bill Maher or Ben Affleck or still either Stallone, um, Joe Piscopo, Fred Durst, Tommy Lee. These are people that might be a punchline to Corey Feldman. Maybe these are people that might be a punchline to a lot of people. To me, they embody something that's, uh, a certain liberation that I wish I had ever had in my life that I just find riveting that someone could just be out there, be a complete ridiculous goof. I'm making Mark Wahlberg in this show sound way more entertaining than it is. So let me step back. I don't want you to get the impression. Don't go putting this on expecting big laughs and big yucks. What I'm trying to say is you have to take it in the right spirit or be, you know, just fascinated by what a tool he can be while still being kind of interesting and charismatic. Um, uh, obviously we first came to know him, or at least I did, cause I'm of a certain age. Uh, he's around my age. Um, and I was not in the fan, uh, age range for his music when he started. We came to know him as Marky Mark of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, he was the brother of Donnie Wahlberg, who'd had huge success with New Kids on the Block. And, uh, Mark was like Donnie's, he wasn't, he wasn't in New Kids. He was Donnie's like, uh, bad news brother. He was a little more from the, you know, he's a little more... Uh, a tough guy like Donnie was, you know, crooner. I mean, he could he could throw down and scrap and he was uh, Donnie was like the toughest guy probably in the new kids, at least by the standards of like Jordan Knight and uh, Danny Wood. Is that what it was? It Donnie or Danny Wood? Uh, Danny Wood. Um, Donnie was of those guys. You know, that was a pop fluff girl band that was big when I was 16, 17 that you would, of course, goof on. You know, as a guy, you'd be like, that's wimpy. That's so that's so, that's weak. That's so corny. It's for it's for girls and stuff. And it was for like, you know, kind of gawky tween girls. But they were, you know, they were heartthrobs and whatnot. And Donnie had huge success with that. And then his brother was Mark. But Mark was like more from the streets and he was rapping and he was he was <laughs> he would shove on MTV dunking on like a seven foot hoop. And he'd be at like the rock and jock thing. And he'd be like. I wish I could do a Wahlberg imitation for the purpose of this video, but I really can't. And I don't want to like start doing one. That's so bad that, uh, but he would show up and uh, what they had a show on him. And he was like, this is my brother. And this is all his friends. And I was like, what am I watching here? But, uh, but he had a series of singles that, uh, you know, compared to the new kids, he seemed like he was, you know, uh, he was EPMD or something, but he was still weak and we would kind of goof on him. But then you kind of secretly were like, Good vibrations is kind of good. <laughs> like, like I hated to admit it because I, I was like eight. Was I about eighteen when that stuff? He had uh, "You Gotta Believe," which was really good, which is a great video, classic Mark Wahlberg. Uh, you know, mugging like a jackass and he's dancing and singing with like a big, you know, uh, big bulky jacket and sparks flying off and he's shadow boxing and dunking on actual black guys and it's like, come on. And then. One that I, I I think is a forgotten Funky Bunch single was he did a uh, slow he did a slow jam uh, like a cover of the Wild Side but it was um, it, it had the same you know obviously that same beat was used by uh, a tribe called Quest around that same year for their thing and it was the epitome of that thing I hate where it's like a story you know like the three act structure of telling you a story about the dark side and and the, the mean streets and stuff kind of like the uh, the old uh, Everlast. Uh, 
what it's like. Is it what it's like? You know, the old Everlast thing or the offspring when someone or Green Day has kind of tried to do this where you tell you a little little parable, little tales of the the sublime has kind of done this a bunch of times. It's one of my worst uh you know, most hated forms of songwriting, but uh, he it was him and he was, you know, it was in black and white. He was all up in the stands of some stadium and he was seemed like a ridiculous guy. And we would, you know, it was the funky bunch. It was kind of, it seemed weak and, and mockable, but the songs were actually kind of good in a way, but you didn't want to admit it. And then when he's moved into acting, of course, uh, there's a progression with any anytime there's a new young actor who young girls like especially like kind of a heartthrob type as a guy it's like your duty to hate them you have to be like oh who's this new pussy who's this weak who's because it's like you know it's like when your sister had the teen beat of you know the Corys up on the wall or something and you would have to make fun of it because it was as a young guy like and it's always somebody it's a heartthrob and you know that they're better looking than you, but you hate the girls like them and not you. And there's this natural, like you even see it now with like Chalamet or Miles Teller. People are like, Oh, I hate that. You know, they get really guys. I mean, guys. And it's like a rite of passage for every new young actor. Like when Leo was the young, pretty boy as a guy, you know, he's in Titanic and Romeo and Juliet and all the young guys that'd be like, Oh, that pussy he's weak. He looks girly. And then of course the thing that has to, they have the rite of passages they have to do like a, a manly crime movie or something where they're like sweating and doing drugs and porn and like overact and doing like a Scorsese or Paul Thomas Anderson type, you know, fever dream type 70s movie that's all swelt. And then then guys are like, oh, they're cool now. They're cool, man. They're cool. Or kind of like Channing Tatum was a little bit of this when he was in those step up movies. And it was like, who's this lunkhead? Who's this, you know, who's this pretty boy? And then he does some crime movies and then he's funny in 21 jump street and guys are like, all right, all right. It's like a hazing for new actors. So when Mark decided Wahlberg to say he was going to be in movies, he did this USA network TV movie called the substitute, not the Tom Berenger one. It was some British babe was a, was a substitute teacher and he was a, a thug in her class. I mean, the character was described as a thug. I'm not, I know it's an antiquated term now, but he was like a real meathead. And he's like, Oh, Mrs. Mrs. Whoever I want to say a poem to you. And we would watch him and be like, Oh my God, God, he's such a wimp. He sucks. He's such a, he's so weak. Um, meanwhile, he's got like the body of a God and he's like got the Calvin Klein thing. He's got, you know, Kate Moss draped around him. You know, he was living the dream already. If you ever get to watch his workout tape from the early nineties where he's in the mansion, he's like, pow, he's like telling you, you need to start working out. He's like, you might not get six fly honeys in a jacuzzi, but it'll be something. And he's all like, you know, trying to be, you know, trying to be uh, a little black scent and whatnot. And he's very ridiculous. And then he started kind of, you know, like everybody does, he does a couple of movies. And you're like, wait, this guy's kind of good. And the one that really stands out, obviously, the basketball diaries with Leo, he they had great chemistry. And he seemed genuinely like a dude from South or Dorchester or whatever, like kind of a kid from the streets. And he was effective in that. And then in fear where he's taunting, uh, you know, open up the door and all that stuff. Uh you started to like him, and then, of course, when he got to Boogie Nights, that just, for any guy who was a, you know, young dude then, that just, oh, he's cool now, he's cool, man, because Boogie Nights, you know, that was like, I mean, that was like Goodfellas or Fight Club or something, just like a size, Pulp Fiction, maybe, like a seismic Gen X uh, killer movie, it's still one of my favorite movies, uh, one of my favorite movies, I'm sorry, um, and then he's basically a movie star. Back, you know, today being a movie star means nothing. But back then, it, it 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 meant a certain acceptance. Like the audience was like, "All right, I guess we're stuck with you. Good enough." And we throw our hands up. And then he's in Three Kings and Planet of the Apes and Rockstar and Italian Job and all these things. 
and he becomes kind of an all-purpose movie star. And he was cool um, because he could do he could do the action. Uh, women liked him because he was a good-looking guy, but he was kind of masculine and rugged. He could do these kind of working-class roles in movies, you know, Perfect Storm, obviously, well-suited, something like that. Three Kings, very convincing as the soldier guy in that. And uh, he did some James Gray movies like We Own the Night and The Yards where his, you know, his background is working class blue collar background. He, it made him very convincing and stuff like that. And he was sort of an earnest, in a way, earnest movie star. He wasn't super ironic and he wasn't super polished like a lot of his peers were. We weren't quite into like the metrosexual era of today, but he still, even then he was very rough around the edges, but had a, uh, there was something you liked about him. At least I did. I know some people very much disagree with this. And as the movies went on, though, uh, and where one of the... <laughs> he started to sort of get into that savior uh, territory that kind of a lot of big egos go, like the Mel Gibson or the Tom Cruise. It sort of took over, especially when we started doing those Peter Berg movies where he was the hero of everything. And I know one of my great Twitter buddies cannot stand Mark Wahlberg to begin with, but especially hated him when he gets into Patriot's Day where he's solving the, <laughs> the Boston Marathon bombing. And you have this movie that on one, it's Peter Berg trying to do his usual verisimilitude and being like Michael Mann or Paul Greengrass and grainy and gritty and showing you, you know, this kind of you know your your heart is in your you know it's like a lump in your chest from the suspense the whole movie and it's very queasy but at the same time this ridiculousness of Wahlberg being at all points along the way kind of saving the day of, as this fictional character that had nothing to do with this tragic event and it's sort of it, it people make fun of because that's like his when he talks about how he could have saved 9-11 and here he's basically doing in some of these movies, Deepwater Horizon, Lone Survivor, he's definitely in these movies very much a savior, and uh, it's a, a lot of big ego. And speaking of the ego, uh, you know, Entourage is something that's kind of crucial to this narrative. Entourage being a TV show where, you know, we, we're supposed to be enraptured by the life of this kind of fictional version of Mark Wahlberg played by... Adrian Grenier, who on the show is more of a cipher and sort of lazy and amiable, as we see in every subsequent piece of reality television about Mark Wahlberg, which it, it extends now to Wall Street. We see he, he is a very irritable, moody, unpleasant guy who loves busting balls and tormenting people beneath him. And you see that like a lot of the... You know, despite the the superficial gloss of Entourage, when there have been subsequent shows like his reality show Wahlburgers, which was supposed to be a nice, and I'm recording this, I found out that his mom, who seemed like a nice lady, obviously raised some uh, hardworking kids and whatnot. She just passed away, so R.I.P. on that. But um, when he got to the show Wahlburgers, it was supposed to be a cute, affectionate little little chance for his brother Paul to shine. You know, Mark's big movie star, Donnie's a big music and TV star. Let Mark have a turn, and he's this, you know, a chef who created this restaurant of Wahlburgers, you know, it's, you know, play on words and whatnot. <laughs> and then quickly that show just kind of became the dark side of Entourage, where, like, Donnie was, like, lovingly hanging out with mom, doing some gags. Uh, Paul was, you know, hard at work, grilling up burgers, doing the, the right thing for the business. And then they would cut to Mark, and, of course, he's, like, being an asshole on a golf course and taking phone calls where he's irritated, like doing dares. Like he had his, his weird entourage version of the guys, you know, and on entourage, they had turtle and E and Johnny drama and what and Johnny drama, of course, kind of being a uh, Donnie facsimile in this 
pretty successful gigging performer who'd gone at the dream first and then just being usurped by his asshole kid brother. But you'd see it on the Wahlburgers and little bits and pieces. I would just mark off on the periphery like they'd be on a golf course and he'd be daring his idiot lackey nacho from 1986 to eat a dog turd or a piece of the greens or something. And it was like, wow, man. Because, you know, there's a thing that Mark does when he's in businessman mode. He comes on shows and promotes. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a new movie and it's called I Heart Huckabees. And he's all agreeable. He's wearing a nice suit and telling you a disarming story about getting his tattoos lasered off because he wants to be a good dad and not scare his kids. And then he's like got a guy's face, ass up, you know, mouth, you know, mouth in the in the sand trap, like chomping up the sand trap like he's the fucking lawnmower man or something. So you see that bully personality is, has never left. He still can be kind of a dick. This brings us to Wall Street. Long story short, Wall Street is a reality show meant to show you the the exciting, thrilling world of branding and Mark Wahlberg's amazing life where he's not just a movie star. He's an all purpose branding genius and he's got he's got his hand in a lot of pots. He's got his TV division and he's got his vitamin and lifestyle brand and his uh, his water or something like that. He used to have these vitamins called get marked, which I don't know if they still make those, but that was an early version of this. He was one of the earlier movie stars to understand branding and all that kind of shit and Instagram and just, you know, selling products, just being a shill. And there used to be such embarrassment about things like that. Like Jack Nicholson wouldn't even appear on TV to do to promote a movie. But now the new thing is like influencers and uh, you know there was that slew of actresses who just were always getting filmed on the red carpet so they could get you know uh, these promo deals and do the promo basically and then guys who were seemingly too big for this just had no shame like Ryan Reynolds uh, The Rock for sure and Wahlberg was definitely one of these guys and this show was about him trying to run all his various businesses right before COVID hits COVID hits about midway through the series and sort of brings him down a peg to some degree but what's fascinating about when he does this is this is supposed to be an exciting look at an, you know, ooh, how's he do it? How's he do it all? Look how passionate, look how devoted he gets up and he's working out and he, he's he's glad-handing everybody. He's got a clothing business and it's, and you just come away going, wait, this guy's kind of an asshole. Like, he's very unpleasant on the show and he's kind of rude to everybody. It takes you behind the scenes as he's doing all these things. And the, one of the focal things of this, is he's getting a clothing line going. It's called Municipal. And basically, it just looks like plain shirts of various colors that say Municipal over the left breast. That's it. That's the big design. And this... um that's one of them. And then uh, the guy who's doing that is this guy, Harry, I think like Harry Arnett. And he seems like a little bit of a dreamer, a little bit of a sad sack. But uh, he's trying in vain to get Mark to get for someone who's supposedly so excited about having his hand in all these businesses. Mark seems bored in every meeting with this guy. And the guy comes, he brings all these shirts and brings all these hats. And he's like, I don't like the cut on this one. And he has his manager, this guy, Lev, who is the most if you can be more unpleasant than Mark Wahlberg, this guy's. Steven Levinson more so and they just 
roast this fucking guy who's trying in earnest to get his Mark's clothing line. He's in charge of this, and they're bored. They're not interested. They're making fun of the guy. Mark's like, you know, putting microphones in his face, going, "You know who you look like? You know who you look like? You look like David O. Russell. You look like David O. Russell." And he's just like busting the guy's balls and picking up, or maybe that he did that to his driver because he has a driver in Britain at some point who looks just like this guy, and he's, you know, actually no, he treats the driver better than this guy who's supposed to be running his business. They bring in a stack of shirts for Lev and Mark, and he's like, he's like, nah, man, I don't like this fabric. Lev don't like this fabric. Lev ain't gonna wear that shit. And they just bully this guy, and then there's other CEOs that Mark has to, to be part of the inner circle, you gotta work out. Like, if, say what you will, you know, CEOs and business people are all capitalist corporate asshole types who kind of can deserve to be put in their place. But to roll with Mark, you got to like go to his gym and he's got this bald guy with sides who's like 60 years old trying to pump iron. And Mark's like, aren't you excited about doing this? Aren't you? And I'd be like, God damn it, dude. Can you just let me? I'm rich. I want to get some sleep. I don't want to work out with you. And he goes around with this guy, Ryan, who's this Asian dude who is one of his big, uh, you know, the big guys on his team. And they're going to invest in, of all things, a health conscious convenience store in the Portland area. And you just see a sense like, God, is he that much of like... <laughs> Huckster. If you got a convenience store in Portland, you got an auto dealership in Columbus, Ohio. If there's a chance to squeeze a buck out of it, Mark's going to be there. And this is supposed to make us think he's so great and genius and uh, a financial wizard. And it just makes him seem fucking exhausting. Like, dude, just go shoot Max Payne too, and leave this to the professionals. But he's got to be there for everything, for the clothes. And they he has his reality show, reality TV show guy that might be who he did the the david o russell thing too it's this guy who's going to head up his reality show division and he's gonna he wants to do that he, he produces mcmillions and he's going to do this reality show about oscar de la hoya because he knows mario lopez who has it in with him he's just always working deals and pitching these kind of like you know shady sounding enterprises everywhere he goes he's gotta he's gotta have a finger in it and um it's interesting. Like you see him going to his gyms. His gyms are starting to. It's some brand of fitness center. God, I can't remember what it was called now. I want to say like A24, but I forget what it was. Like A45 or something. A new style of gym. And they bring in. He brings in all these athletes. Like Dwayne Wade is there, and then Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones is there, and she seems adorable. She's lighting up to be in the presence of, even though she's a star in her own right. She's so happy to be working out with Mark Wahlberg. She seems sort of starstruck by him. He doesn't care. He poses for one photo. He's on to the next thing, and you get to see his home life, which just cracks me up because it's supposed to be you know here he is doting dad mark Wahlberg, but he's like bitching about he's like i gotta go to england to shoot infinite for six weeks and he does someone pointed this out in my twitter today that like he makes a big production it's like oh man this is the worst part of my job i don't get to see my wife and kids for two months and meanwhile he brought two members of the funky bunch with him he's got this guy named the rasta guy or something that he knows from 1988 and i find this is sort of funny about him that he will treat all these ceos all these white college guys like absolute shit he's completely dismissive but if you're somehow in his crew from like 1988 he's dragging him across the globe to shoot movies and being as just randomly hanging out in his mansion in LA and I think like god if some dude from my high school in 1988 was like hey I'm in town want to hang out and get Starbucks I'd like change my number I'd put a I'd you know barricade my apartment I would do anything in my power not to see anyone from 30 years ago but he really did stay true to who he is I guess 
in terms of how well he treats those. Well, not really, because then you see him on on, on uh, Wahlburgers making the guy eat the sand trap. But you never know. You still at least get to hang out with him and experience some of the Mark magic. But um, his kids are at home. Even with his kids, he's exhausting always on the lookout for business and schemes and scams like his kids just like basketball cards they seem like nice kids they're collecting trading cards he's like showing them how he got to unbox them he's like you got to unbox each one you got to find the lebron autograph you find the lebron autograph you make some money and he sets up for them like an instagram and a card trading business he's bragging about how many followers they have and his kids are going to be little businessmen now because he's showing them how to how to start a business it's like god even for your kids greedy cards you have to be like that and then his daughter is doing these stuffed cute stuffed animal uh what do you call that a hobby horse which i don't even know what that is but she's stuffing a you know she's sewing and doing a little stitchery he's like we gotta put this online and he makes an account for that too so even he's shilling his kids the wife uh, uh ria we don't see much of her she comes around once in a while looks very pretty she was an ex-model but the the big her big moment is when they kind of reopen the gyms for about a week during the pandemic they get to go to a gym he's like it's just like old days it's like we never left don't you like the gym and she's on the floor trying to talk to one of her hen friends he's like this is great babe that's like just like you were doing before you're working out even better and he's like all excited about her workout she's just like oh uh-huh yeah yeah you just get the sense that like <laughs> it, it when covid starts to wear him down he's like i used to get up at 3 30 in the morning but now sometimes i sleep all the way to 9 30 it's like jesus dude man man have a few bud lights and sleep into one and fucking binge the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or something. You are exhausting. Slow this down. Um, Midway through the show, COVID hits, and it especially hits his gyms. That takes a big bite, and... um, the, the, the clothing thing and what happens with the clothing is because they weren't quite up and running yet. The big investors are backing out. So this sad sack guy, Harry, he might have to liquidate his assets. And there's this depressing scene where he brings his wife in who's looking at him like you fucking lunatic. Don't do this. He's like. He's like, if we still want municipal clothing to work, we got to have Mark, me, and Lev as the three partners, three equal partners. Meanwhile, those dudes are worth tens and tens of millions. This guy's just some upstart stitching guy trying to start a business. And the wife's looking at him like, you better not do that, motherfucker. But he's like, he's like, I don't know. We could, we could mortgage the house and we could, we could liquidate everything. And we could go in as full partners and we'll be equal. And I'm thinking like, you're doing all this to two guys who are busting your balls like your fucking flounder from Animal House. He's catching the hi-hat from Mark this entire thing. He's still willing to do that. You just feel for this guy like, don't do it, man. Don't. And I don't know if that that brand ever took off because it goes through all these permutations where they bring in more shirts and Walbury's like, I don't like those colors. That's like an orange shirt. What happened to orange? What happened to orange? What's with this? What's with these crazy colors? And he doesn't. They bring in all these, he doesn't, Mark doesn't like the crazy colors. He's like, whatever happened to yellow, purple, and pink? What is this color? What is this? They're bringing out magenta. I don't know what that is. And he blows a stack. And then seemingly the guy a few weeks later comes back with different clothes that look exactly the fucking same. And he's like, I like the fit on this better. Make the waist a little tighter. Everything's got to be tight. He wants everything to be tight to show off his bi- show off his build, obviously. But I'm figuring like, I'm not going to be in line for any municipal clothing because I kind of prefer, <laughs> I want the fit that like method man has in belly or something like the the 2002 uh 
a FUBU fitter. Oh, and that's we get advice. We get a little financial wisdom. So there's cameos from everyone from Damon John to Dana White from the UFC to Ali Webb to uh, Michael Eisner <laughs> rolls in. And they're just telling you how to get it, get started in business. And one part, Damon John, very, very meaningfully, he's like, I think Mark can do it. I think Mark can do it. It's like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't, you know, while his buddy at the municipal is, you know, he's risking his entire life for this. This is just a drop in the bucket for Mr. Movie Star here who's making a squeezing a penny out of every RV sold because this reality guy is going to they're going to pitch a show called RRV there yet. And he's like, we're going to pitch the show, Mark. Get on the get on there and do your thing, you know, to shuck and jive on the Zoom for some investors. And Mark's like, are we there yet? Are we? I just figured out what that means. It's like, are we there? It's like, are we? It's like, okay, you really, dude, really, you're doing a show to show us what a genius you are, and you are stumped by a play on words that a third grader would get. Uh, we also get to hear a little bit about the spiritual side of Mark along the way. You know, Mark being a very, uh, uh, what do you call that, uh, devout Catholic, as we know. But at some point in the show, in the series, he finds a uh, a Greek Orthodox priest who's also, you know, Mark can't just have a regular old man. He's like, he's not just a man of the cloth. He also does a hedge fund. And we meet this very bizarre guy named Father Emmanuel, I think. And he's not just a priest, he, he also does lectures on how God would want you to be rich and be a capitalist, he, and he doesn't want you to be nice, he wants you to be out there making money he's like, the Bible doesn't say anything about being nice um, so he's this corporate shark, hedge fund manager priest, who's also in his uh, his um, variant of Catholicism, he can get married, so he's bragging about his wife and, and Mark wants to delight his new priest, he's like, he's like, Rhea Rhea, come in here baby, and he's like showing off his model wife it was all hot and they're they're like you know yucking it up and he's like the the priest is like yeah my babe's right behind me and he points to some photo of some lady behind him and they're 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 just like you know they're they're patting themselves on the dick about how well they married and whatnot and mark wants uh father emmanuel to 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 do the books for this convenience store um oh god i want to say it's like green was it green zebra or something i'm not gonna watch the thing whatever the the chain is it's it's in uh Portland, it's this lady who's very earnest and extremely, again, starstruck by Mark Wahlberg, but she seems so nice and she's all about sustainable food and organics. And Mark goes there to try all this stuff at some point in the show. And he seems really, he seems very enthused about this one. I'll give him that. And looking for any reason to give this lady some money. So this uh, convenience store chain and he and his Asian buddy, Ryan, are, they, they want every fiber of them seems to want to endo- um invest in this and they bring in father Emmanuel to read the books and father Emmanuel's like well you know usually and he's also he has this slumped sour look he's like usually i spend days on a financial investment like this you know to read a portfolio but this it took me 25 minutes and he's like this is bullshit this wouldn't work uh there's they're they're saying this and that and then mark just looks deflated and ryan looks deflated and basically father uh getting laid here has destroyed this lady's livelihood before our eyes and Mark even, this is a rare moment where he's kind of like, damn, I hate to hear that. You could tell he really liked this lady and would like to do something with her and hoped um, that this would have taken off. He actually did seem somewhat enthusiastic about other, some of the other things he's just, well, the gym, obviously, he's always super excited. But <laughs> I don't know, this this Greek Orthodox priest basically comes in to crush this woman's dreams. And the last we see of her, she's like, well, you know, it's always on to the next thing. You know, I've had things fail before. So it's like, man... That was an unhappy ending for her. 
as COVID hits, uh, we get to see Mark being a little forlorn. He's not, you know, the whole time he's he's professed that he hates being off. He's shooting um, Infinite, and then he's shooting the Uncharted movie. Um, a, a very uh, tellingly, Antoine Fuqua, who's directing the former, he keeps talking. I'm working with Antoine Fuqua, and we never see him in the movie. And I just thought, like, man, if Peter Berg would have been the director, we would have gotten some great Berg magic rolling in, looking hungover and grumpy and bitching about his ex or something, looking like he's in the profound depths of heroin addiction. But instead, you could tell Fuqua wanted nothing to do with this or was too busy. And we hear a little bit about the Uncharted movie, at which point Mark has a stash. And then it all gets grounded. It's back to L.A., back to L.A. And we've heard Mark talk about how he just wants to be around the family and being off around the globe shooting these movies is such a bummer. Then we get to him being stuck, you know, quarantined for months. Whatever. He looks so miserable. He's got the patchy goatee. He's like, you know, he's slumped over. It's like he doesn't have his energy. He's all grumpy. Um, you know, he's got this time here with his family. And it seems to be making him mad that he can't be out making more deals. He's got to make more business deals and in this section of the show i'm watching this like a hawk because for up for most of this mark has his classic max Payne era boring mark Wahlberg haircut which is very dubious to me like he always looks like he has like he went to uh super cuts or like a, a fantastic Sam's and said, give me the number three scissors on top. He always has the number three sides and back always that short length, but it's always short enough that you can tell he never had the bacon strip taken out for a transplant. Um, so I've always wondered how he maintains this hair because Donnie Wahlberg went bald. Paul Wahlberg went bald. Every one of the brothers has the same baldness pattern, but somehow Mark always has this, you know, kind of sometimes questionable head of magician hair. Like sometimes it looks like he has a wig. There was a weird era where he was growing it long, but he got skin. Like he go watch the gambler. He looks so fucking weird in that. And he has some like Dutch boy, 1977 mop cut in that. And then he did one transformers movie where he had wings. He had the long flowing hair, but it didn't look like the texture of his hair. I was like, but it would blow back in parts. So it couldn't have been a wig, but was it extensions? Never have known what he's going for. You know, his classic truth about Charlie Max Payne cut seems to be his default. And that's what he has for most of this. And But this is on a very strict timeline. Like, they'll be like, this is June 10th. This is June 15th. This is June 20th because we're going COVID. We're seeing news reports in the background sometimes even. You see Trump in the background talking or whatnot. And you know that this has a, 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 a set time. And he will have... In one meeting, the classic truth about Charlie cut, and then the very next day, it's at Lone Survivor. I'm like, how'd you get the Lone Survivor? It's like the Travolta wig thing at the Oscars when he had the when he had the you know the spray on, and then he had the mullet in the same day. I don't think he wears a wig or a system because you don't see the hair transplant scar, so it's not a transplant. But he'll there's a lot of these sections where he'll be inside with short hair, and he goes out and he puts on a ball cap, and suddenly it's three inches. It's like sticking out, like curling out around the ears and the back. This is only entertaining to me. You can't. I can't even tell you. I had like my my notebooks. Like, what's he doing with his hair in this scene? How's he getting that? It was like it's an inch and a half longer. It's an inch and a half longer. Because sometimes it was all sweaty and would curl out the hat. Sometimes he's got the big like kind of a Rasputin goatee going, but it's all shitty like his lone survivor. And then he's clean shaven or has just the 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 the, the fuzz goatee. His hair and facial hair changes. From scene to scene, in moments that are supposed to be the next day, there's a lot of little inconsistencies. At one point, he's like, Pat, before COVID, he's like, 
someone orders him wine and he gets real testy. He's like, he's like, I'm dry, man. I'm dry. I can't be drinking no wine. I can't be drinking no wine. And then like two days later, he's got a fucking guzzler of red wine. He's got a slur in his words. And it's like, what happened to the dry? <laughs> like, none of this reflects well on you, dude. You were supposed to be making a show that we're supposed to be enamored. We're supposed to be like in awe of this business genius imparting his wisdom. And we're just like... <laughs> I I don't know. Most people will not be. This is the sad thing, though. This is the sad thing. I was going to say, I am. I'm watching this like a fucking hawk. I got through this. It's six episodes. I watched this in a day. People have been nagging me for 20 years. You got to watch Deadwood. You got to watch Boardwalk Empire. My mom's like, you got to watch Your Honor. Have you seen Your Honor? You got to watch Better Call Saul. I'm always like, uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll get to that someday. This you know, I've been putting off shows for 15 years. I won't watch. If I watch them, I'll slog through one episode a month or something. Like, I'll get through Mad Men around 2052 or something. This, one day, six episodes, bam. I had to see it all because I had to sit there like a chump, like the guys at the end of fucking Wolf of Wall Street. There I am, big wide eyes. Like, that could be me. Meanwhile, I'm the same guy's same age. He's been famous for 30 years. He's been rich for 30 years. And I'm sitting there like, oh, give me some more nuggets of this wisdom market. He's like inspired me like, oh, I'm going to put a Patreon on my podcast. Like, I'm going to get people to pay me to talk about best defense. You know, it. There's a part of me, as much as I'm making fun of this, and this is where people get confused because I've just goofed on Mark Wahlberg, Stephen Levinson, everything for a half hour. If, if he heard this, he'd come and beat the shit out of me probably because he would think I'm making fun of the guy. That's the, th- the thing. It's, some, that's the, it's something about my psychology. It's, you know, when I was a kid, I was bullied a lot um, by guys who act much like Mark Wahlberg, basically. And I have a Stockholm Syndrome. Most people who are bullied are happy with that. Oh, it gets better. You'll be great someday. And it's Revenge of the Nerds. And, you know, that 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 uh, narrative that, you know, the little weakling guy is going to flower and turn into a, a big successful titan of industry. And the meathead is going to fall by the wayside. I find that, no, in life... It's always the Mark Wahlbergs. It's always the guy who beat the shit out of you in gym class. They always go on to have houses and, you know, that, that cliche that they end up at the end of the bar fat and talking about their high school football game. It's almost never true. It's almost always that the bullies win. The people who have that positivity, who had that social socialization and buddies and knew how to act around women and everything, they become this. And I have a certain Stockholm syndrome. I didn't. I never wanted to be a nerd. You can tell by the way I talk. I don't express myself as a nerd. I'm like I have kind of an aggressive personality and I'm kind of hot tempered. And I look at somebody like Mark Wahlberg. I like. I don't want to think of myself as a dork. I want to think of myself as like Marky Mark. Man, he's cool. And I'm watching this and two I mean by the way I'm gonna pat myself on the back that I watched six episodes the six episodes are all 20 minutes so this is basically two hours but I was questioning like how can I I can watch shit like this you give me a movie like I watched some pretty good movies at home the other day it's like I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom which was a really good movie (laughs) but it's like I'm hitting pause every five it's been five minutes I better go eat some Skittles been five minutes I better go you know check my texts been five minutes you know and it it takes me six hours to get through a movie I'm sitting there with this just ensconced I'm just enraptured by every pearl of Mark Wahlberg magic and because he's in LA too of course anything in LA I'm like studying his house and I'm trying to you know if this were me would I want to fly to England to make a movie and I don't like being on a plane for 11 and 
I have a way where no matter what I see, how I process it is I'm jealous of it. It's not that I'm hate watching this. I'm hating, like I have this ability to hate myself while watching this because I'm not there. I was watching, Ellen has some stupid game show, Ellen DeGeneres, and her DJ is Twitch. It's been her DJ on her talk show and now on her game show. And he was this guy who, I don't remember if he won So You Think You Can Dance, but he was a contestant. He's a very likable guy, maybe 15, 20 years ago. And he's a talent show contest winner guy. And here he is. He probably has a mansion and gets permanent roots in Los Angeles. And, you know, I see that, like, Kelly Clarkson has a talk show. And I'm like, how does she have a talk show? Why don't I have a talk show? I'm, I live in Los Angeles. What's she even doing in my city? Like, I'm Sharky's machine or something. I just want status and I want to maybe even more so than the money and everything, maybe just to be able to put my roots down finally and say that I live here. It still feels like all my life as my parents are getting older and stuff. I feel like I'm on an extended vacation in Los Angeles. Ooh, Mr. Goes to the movies. Ooh, ooh. And he does some little funny things on the internet and maybe even does a podcast. Now, none of it feels like I have a house and I have property or I have a family and just seeing Mark Wahlberg, the ultimate Boston dude, and he's got this great life, but he's still jet set and he still remembers who, where he's from. He still has all his buddies from Boston out here. And it's just fascinating to me that I'm Mr. You know, I tried to escape my working class or my East Coast background and try to reinvent myself as Mr. L.A. And I can never commit to it. And I'm out here in a bad apartment and I have a tenuous job. And it, I always feel like at any second I could just be back working as a produce man unloading trucks in Pennsylvania. So I see lifestyle porn shit like this. And it makes me like, that's what I, I feel like, you know, I have the same kind of narcissism and big ego as anybody else who wanted to go into show business. And I just see like, it all worked out for them. It definitely didn't work out for me, but I don't watch this and hate Mark Wahlberg for doing this. I like, it brings out my self hatred or self loathing. Like who knew that you had to be going to a gym? Like, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of my generation, I always say like, I'm the, would I be the oldest or the, I'm any generation after me knew to go to a gym, to get super fit, to get bulked up. And now we're in a life, we're in a world where everyone has the physique of like Jean-Claude Van Damme and nowhere to run. Every guy can get that physique. Every girl can look like a beach babe or Kim Kardashian. There's just like a key to life and having a successful life now that, I don't know, my generation hadn't quite figured out yet. Mark, Mark Wahlberg seems to stay permanently young, like I'm watching him working out, doing his chin-ups. He still looks great. He's probably in the same shape, even though he's naturally kind of got a rugged face with some lines and creases. I'm, they're showing clips from Three Kings from 22 years ago. It could have been a week ago. He's basically looked the same, give or take whatever he's doing with the hair to keep that uh, quaff that he has. And... I don't know. I just watch it as a guy who's crumbling in my own apartment that's terrible, and I have to trick my toilet with palm olive to get it to go down. <laughs> it take a whiz, uh, and the flush takes three tries to get the foam down. And this guy's got it all, man, and, and he's got everything, and that's how he sees life as a transaction. And I really wish I had that instead of just the last five minutes of what I just said, the self-pity and the, and the self-deprecation. He doesn't have that. He's just straight ahead. He's Mark. If he's not making money, it's a waste of his time, and he gets cold and cavalier to you. And it's, it's, it's the way you got to be, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that was a bummer of a way to, uh, to bring it all together. Of course it was, but uh, I don't know. That's just what struck me about it, and that's why it was hypnotic to me to watch it, and I watched it all in one you know, chunk. I just blew through the whole show. 
And, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe if they if you really want to see my depression come out, do Ben Affleck's life, do do Affleck Street or so. By the way, I also love the uh, on a lighter note. I love that the ridiculous opening title sequence, such as it is of the show, you know, it's Wall Street, a play on word of Wall Street. So they show a very cheesy animated street sign, Wall Street, but they only have Wall ST. And I'm thinking like, you couldn't have just sprung for the street just for the, just to suspend disbelief for the purposes of this. Nope, no, okay, Wall ST. So you hear a spray can rattle, you know, because Mark's from the streets, you know, tagging, you know, as if he were, you know, uh, fucking Clifton Collins in 187 somewhere along the way too, among all his other great talents. We hear the rattle of a and it goes tss, tss, and it covers the L first L with an H and you're like oh, okay wall and then oh, oh we're still going and they write out the R E E T and I'm like you know we know what the ST is you could have called the show wall ST or you could have just had that sign for the purposes of this cheesy graphic just had it say wall street but no no I got to enjoy that uh, every episode and uh, that's it. I mean, it ends with uh, COVID and, you know, he's locked away in the future. Some of these businesses, the gym, the clothing line and the convenience store all seem somewhere between up in the air and somewhat doomed. Um, apparently, the <laughs> hopefully his auto dealership is still a. Uh, Still on the, you know, making making bank or whatnot. But, uh, you know, and that's it. <laughs> on to the next thing for Mark. It'll be on and he'll have a new thing, man. And uh, he'll always come out on top because he's got that personality. And uh, he'll, be, he'll probably be a complete dick the whole time. And it was fun for me to watch. And uh, I hope this was kind of funny. I know it was kind of a downer ending. But, man, I really got a kick out of this. I don't recommend watching it because you will hate it. And I probably oversold what I perceived as the big moments. It's just when I watch shit like this everything sticks out to me is like whoa what's he doing there you know it's like i live my life vicariously through celebrity bullshit as depressing as that sounds and this was like a treasure trove for me so that's wall street i'll be back i'm going to talk about 1999 soon the movies of 1999 whether they held up or whether they didn't i'm putting this on record by the way so i make sure i finish it i'm going to do a dirty hairy lightning round particularly focusing on the sequels which i don't think get their due and i am also going to finish up i have a review of escape from la which it's not i say review i mean i've seen it 500 times but i did a long thing about it but i'm putting some finishing touches and i think you'll get a kick out of it everybody thanks for listening to the podcast um maybe i'll do a little patreon soon or something um i'll talk to you more about that later but if i do it'll just be think of it as like a tip jar if you want to give me a few bucks for you know getting a kick out of this I don't think I'm ever going to make it where I'm going to seal off all my content. I don't have huge hopes for it. You got to know I do have a job, so it's not like I'm destitute and dying for it, but it could help because some of these days, these are kind of hard for me to get around to with my job and, you know, knowing there was a little incentive. I don't know. It's something that I'm, I don't know. The Wall Street brought this out of me, so uh, I won't say any more about it, but uh, I'm going to do it for Mark, man. (laughs) Okay. You guys have a nice day. Bye.